Hey everybody, John Henry Soto here along with George Batista. As always, welcome to Counterparts. This is where we spotlight conversations on creative minds, talented minds, inspiring minds. And we're very excited today. We have Wesley McInnes is going to be on the show today. He's a filmmaker. Uh, he, he's in movies. He's on Netflix. He's uh, a musician. Uh, we're going to have such a great conversation today. I am super excited to have him on the show. So please, please hang on tight and come on back. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, in case you hear chopping in the background, I do my show at the uh, kitchen of a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> so that, <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you everybody for tuning in, George. Thank you. What's up? What's up? Hello, sir. Hello. So before we get started, uh, we're gonna bring Wesley on. I just want to uh, let everyone know that our season finale is on November twenty second, and. We're doing something a little crazy on this day. We're inviting every single person. Wesley will be one of them <laughs> if he's available <laughs> to just come on and, and join us um, on the show here uh, just for a conversation about what they're currently doing. We'll see who shows up. There's a lot of people. So this could be actually really fun or this could be a complete disaster. <laughs> Either way, we're going to make it fun. So we're excited exactly. about that. But that's November 22nd, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please join us. We're going to have a great time. And George, take it away. Thank you, sir. All right. So, as everyone knows, the Counterpart Show is brought to you by Wellness Resources, bringing you superior clinically formulated nutritional supplements since 1985. Find out why Wellness Resources nutritional supplements are the top choice of health-conscious individuals around the world. Make sure you go to myvitaminresource.com. And if you enter the promo code counterparts, you will get free shipping on every, and that's right, every order. So just make sure you check it out. All right. So as John said today, we're going to be talking to Mr. Wesley McGinnis. So uh, a little bit about Wesley. He is a multi-talented actor, musician, writer, director. He pours his passion for performing in every role. As an actor, he has a long list of television credits that includes DC Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, The 100, Supernatural, Continuum, Smallville, Heartland, and The Vampire Diaries. He's also taken on roles in feature films, including The Power Rangers Movie, Cold Pursuit, Beyond uh, Magic Beyond Words, The J.K. Rowling Story. In addition to acting... Wesley is an international singer and songwriter under the stage name Wes Mack. His releases have yielded five Billboard Top Hits, 20 CCMA and BCCMA nominations, over 15 million streams, and an international tour with Shania Twain. His latest role, he can be seen in the Netflix sci-fi horror series The Imperfects, and we are very excited because we're going to talk about lots of things, film, music, and life. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Wesley McGinnis. All right. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks hey. for having me on. Yeah, Thank this you. is a, a great honor. Thank you so much for being on. Um, we operate kind of, uh, George likes to do things official. He likes, he has questions, official questions. It's called being organized. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And um, gotta, gotta I, have that, right? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have some part of that, at least 50% of that. Yeah, that's the balance, and, right? It's yeah, exactly. And the other 50% is that I like kind of, I hear things and I'm like, oh, I wanna kind of ask about this. And, and I do have my notes. I'm not completely disorganized, but um, I do wanna actually kind of flow a little bit with it. So I'm gonna turn it over to George so we can start with our first question. Thank you so much for being here and uh, let's have some fun. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, just diving in a little bit about you. Um, I know you started out in music when you were young. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit. I mean, as three musicians here, you know, I love we love talking about music and the intricacies and all that type of stuff. Um, who were your influences when you when you were growing up? Oh man. I mean, so when I was a really little kid, I remember the first three like cassette tapes i think my parents ever like the ones that really stuck out for me like when i started listening to music that wasn't just like children's music it was i had a beatles tape i had a beach boys tape and i had a hank williams scene oh tape. man nice uh, and so That's i guess all you need right there yeah man honestly i, I often have been like oh I, got, I was very well set up in the beginning because totally. like, those are still i love those yeah. three artists like to this day i'll still throw all that all that stuff on so absolutely um, and then when I, and then when maybe I was around like 10 or 11, I all of a sudden started like finding music on my own. That wasn't just like what my parents had shown me. And I remember I got into listening to, for a while, it was like, you know, rock of that era of like, like I remember the Red Hot Chili Peppers were big for me and like mm. Our Lady Peace was big for me. And then I, by the time I was in high school, I had gotten really deep into listening to like, uh, just like everything classic rock. Like, you know, what? just my, my life was absorbed into yeah. like the Doors and Led Zeppelin. Nice. Um, yeah. And which, which still is like, I, like, I remember the first time I ever drove a car on my own, I put in Zeppelin, it would have been Zeppelin two. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a whole lot of love came on. I was, yeah. <laughs> freedom. There's um, nothing like it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like if I if I listen to that song in a, in a car, I'm speeding for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get um, and then I mean, like, so so I grew up in Calgary, which it's it's not Tennessee, but like there's a lot of country music there, and so that was something that was around a lot for me growing up. Hmm. But that like I didn't get into as a teenager, like when I was playing in a band and stuff. I think largely because you're you're kind of inundated with it there. It's like a Calgary yeah. Stampede is every year. Everything was country music. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And then weirdly, it was when I moved away from um, from Calgary. I moved to Vancouver, where there's like a lot less, almost none of that. And I, that's where I got into country music. There was a guy <laughs> on my floor in university who was from Boston, who was like a big Willie Nelson fan, and he just uh, like was always spinning like a bunch of country songs. And right. I it just kind of I found my way into it. And mm -hmm. I remember specifically, I saw I saw Dirk Bentley play in 2008 on the Coke stage in Calgary, just like a mid-sizey kind of smaller stage. Um, and it just like changed my opinion. It was, it was sort of like a lot of the stuff that I loved from classic rock music all of a sudden being done in country. And especially when you look at like where rock was at in like maybe 2008, it almost mm -hmm. felt closer to, to like older rock kind of thing yeah. did to me. It just like, right. it had all the storytelling and all the melodies and stuff that I, I quite dug. So and I, I've listened, there's, there's many genres that I end up yeah. loving and I realize I've wandered all over your question. Yeah, no, 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 I, I love it. it. I mean, I you actually music, answered music it perfectly. That's, that's kind of the way we are actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, that's kind of the music way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're when you when you get turned on to the right things early on, you know, and yeah. that's really the important thing because a lot of kids, you know, whatever is on TV is what they start listening to, and then that motivates their interest in music. Totally. And not all of it can be, but if somebody gives you those the Beatles, oh, and you I, got, I feel you know, grateful for it because it completely, like, completely. It, I mean, man, it's just like so much came from those records. Like, yeah, it's, like it. 
they're they're just so pivotal and like yeah. there's nothing in music that is made today that doesn't owe some piece of dna oh to, to, to artists like that for sure 100 percent. yeah george and i we talk a lot about that here on the show where we talk about how old music we did a whole episode actually um how old music is kind of killing new music because <laughs> 70 percent of the the music that's streamed on these platforms is old music 70 really yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was an article from the atlantic actually yeah, yeah. it's an article from the atlantic that's it's very interesting yeah the guy is a is a ted uh, goya right ted goya. um and we we follow him a lot he's a, a writer but you know he these are the stats and so it, it kind of shows you how powerful that music was, you know, and how totally. it's influencing. So it's like really important to see young people like yourself being able to take that music and kind of building on it and keeping that thing going, you know. Yeah. Um, did, do you remember when was like, when did you pick up the guitar? When was that? Yeah. So I remember specifically I was 11 um, and I started learning how to like, I remember I like my dad originally uh, taught me how to play guitar. He played in a band. Well, he's played in a band a lot, a lot throughout his life, um, but like played in a pretty prominent one back in the 1960s that had a number one hit in Canada. Which, um, nice. so, so this is like always, it's funny enough. So my first guitar was actually his first guitar. It was a guitar wow. that he bought when he was a kid, sold it years later, then found it in a pawn shop years after that, rebought it. Um, <laughs> said he bought it for $15 the first time and $25 the second time. <laughs> Um, and then, and then that was the guitar I learned. Uh, it's uh, how to play on. So I remember, you know, he taught me some so like initial chords, and I remember sitting there when I was eleven, and I wrote my like first song. It was just three chords, kind of thing. Nice. And then when I was thirteen, I started playing in a band with uh, with a couple of guys. And it was a trio that, that we uh, with my one, one of my best friends still to this day, and we played in that together for till we were in our twenties. Like that was sort of most oh, wow. of my like lessons in music were all like in that playing in like, you know, going from community centers to like really shitty dive bars and just like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I feel like it, it gave me a great appreciation for the times in my life when I've gotten to play bigger shows to be like, right. oh yeah, like I, I've truly played to zero people. Like I, re I remember specifically on, on one occasion we were, we were touring in a rock band and we were playing in a bar and the bar staff went on a smoke break and there was no one in the bar. So we were actually just having a band practice at that point. <laughs> yeah, George and I have a story. We, we, we about that. Yeah, we, we did that. We it's did like, that. you kind of wonder like, do we continue? And we're like, well, we are getting paid. And uh, yeah. I guess yeah. we just have a band practice here for free. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what we did. We just played, you know, the show must go on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting. I, I have a, a, a question on something because one of the things that early on you said you started playing and then you wrote your song. You wrote a song, yeah. which is very interesting because sometimes a lot of, uh, you know, younger, when they're starting to play, they kind of want to learn a song mm -hmm. first and they go yeah. and they learn all the songs, but they don't write anything until much later, which happens a lot as you get, yeah. you know, and then, then totally. you have to learn, but you seem that you went right in there early on. You wanted to write yeah. right from the beginning. I did. Yeah. I've never really thought about that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I would have been, that would have been one of the first things I did when I had a guitar kind of thing. See, that's you know, awesome. Was, yeah, I, I, I didn't really, there wasn't really a thought process to why, but I remember specifically, yeah. like I, it's still quite vivid in my head from many years ago, just yeah. being like, well, this is what I want to do now. Like these guys all right. write songs, I got to write a song. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I, I, that's one of the things that uh, we started out with also was like, I just wanted to write. Like no. I knew all these great songs, but I thought to myself, I'm not going to play 
Led Zeppelin, and I might learn how to play it exactly, but yeah, I can listen to it also. You know, I want to actually create something, totally. and that was kind of my thought process on that. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, George, yeah, it, was, it was it, no, it was interesting because I, you know, talking about discovering Zeppelin and stuff like that. I mean, John, you know, John and I always talk about the story that he found these uh, CDs. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was uh, <laughs> Zeppelin CDs and Rush CDs. And it nice. was actually, you know, moving pictures with Tom Sawyer, Rush and all that. And yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. know about Rush until he he said, George, you got to listen to this. Yeah. I mean, this was I mean, we were teenagers. At yeah, 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 yeah. And when I put it on, changed my life. That was oh, it. I, yeah, I created um, a monster, actually. Uh, when there, I there's, there's something about those moments, though, when yeah. they eat. I've, I've, I've found there's many of those I can point to where it's like you had no concept of that band until that moment. And then all of a right. sudden it is, it infiltrates your life in a way yeah. that's like, just, it, it takes over everything kind of thing. Yeah. Like I, I remember feeling that way with the doors when I first listened yes. to their stuff. Yeah, same thing. And, and I, I, I get embarrassed about it, but I remember being so naive and, and listening to Zeppelin and then going and then trying to, and then getting so obsessed that I want to find everything. Yeah. And then yeah, you go yeah, out yeah. and you're like, do you know that these guys were around in the 70s? <laughs> I, I know. Oh, dude. I, I had Do you know this... how many albums they have that we haven't listened to yet? I still, I, I, this keeps happening to me still as an adult, though. Like, I, yeah, I, I will true. admit, for whatever reason, in my like classic rock era, I never got into Fleetwood Mac. It just never happened. It never went mm, wow. And then about four or five years ago, I. I thought I think it was honestly because their their song showed up in that Guardians of the Galaxy. I think they used the chain in it, right? Um, right. And I was like, "Oh man, who is this?" And I looked it up and like I was aware of Fleetwood Mac, but in my brain, Fleetwood Mac had a female singer, and they just had that song "Dreams," and that right. like it was, it was off rumors, and it was like that was <laughs> that was that them. was what it was. And I I all of a sudden just like fell down the rabbit hole. Like I think the tricky thing with them is because they have three singers, they have three very distinct sounds, yes, right? Exactly. Even across like even on that on rumors. You have right. three, like those could be, you could divide up the catalog into those three singers and it would all be great for yeah. each of them. Uh, so, you know, like minor point to me of like, oh, that's like slightly misleading in the, not misleading, but like you might not know it, but I just fell down this rabbit hole being like, oh my God, there are so many songs by these guys yeah. that I already love that I just didn't attribute to, to Fleetwood at. And so I, yeah. I, I love them so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I got with, uh, uh, into Fleetwood and then realized Lindsay Buckingham is like, freaking amazing guitar player and has a, an array of like solo albums oh yeah i went into that whole trap you know years ago and uh yeah but i love it because you know you're you're always exploring and i think as an artist if you don't go out there and try to find something that you don't know about yeah you know why are you gonna say you know i mean i'll do that i'll listen to the same song over and over again for like yeah, i do that too right you know, like go <laughs> back, do. You know what i mean but it's, it stimulates some it pathway does. in your brain it makes you feel good it, it feels good so i just keep doing it um but then there's that time when you find that one piece of music that you're like wow i can't believe oh it. yeah yeah. yeah it's overwhelming when you find that artist and you realize they have 20 albums or something right. like that <laughs> and you're like how do i even speak, begin to like i with fleetwood i was like oh man if i try and digest this all at once it won't work so i was like just gonna listen to rumors for a while. We're gonna get and then like we're gonna get into Tusk after that. We're gonna we're gonna right. migrate around and do this piece by piece. Or yeah. Too much. Yeah, yeah. I get I get nuts. I go to the first one, and I'll just play that, and then I'll go to the second one, and the third, third one, the third. Oh yeah. Wherever I just keep I just keep going, and and if something hits, you know, then you start remembering. See, back in the old days, because I'm old, but I used to have to like go to the record and write it down. You know, track number seven. Yeah. 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 You know. <laughs> 
from this record and then that's the one i want to listen but, to you know in, in credit to that though i sometimes find it's easier to like remember things in an era like this is kind of my my whole deal with with not just with music but with just information in general it's mm. very easy to get any information you want right now very quickly yeah. but i find as a result of that you don't retain much of it because right. you, you can it's so easy to come by that it's easy to let it go like i i kind of make the you know the the comparison of like if you wanted to know a, an obscure baseball statistic and it was you know 30 40 years ago or something like maybe you have to go to a library maybe you have to call someone maybe you have to write a letter maybe you have to do there has to be like enough to make right. you really care about that piece of information so when you get that piece of information it might stick in your head right whereas right. like right. I, the number of times i look up some like obscure i'm on wikipedia you know 13 articles deep and you have no idea where you even started right. and, and you don't remember what you're looking for in the first <laughs> right. place, right? Like it's 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 nice that you can have it, but I do find it's same with music of if you find a song and it's easy to quickly stream it, like um, it might not stick with you in the same way of like writing to like, like I don't remember adding an album to my phone in the same way of like when I would line up outside, we have HMV in Canada was like our music store when I was a kid kind yeah. of thing. So you line up there and you get that like thing in your hand. There's tangible. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we take a uh, memory for granted. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, I, I thought about the other Another day, I was I was saying like, oh, I was saying this to my acting agent a ways back. I was like, oh, you know, in in the future, I, I suspect we're all going to, you know, maybe you'll have like a RAM or a memory upgrade that could be physically implanted into you, like that would expand your own memory. And she's kind of like, she's like, oh, we kind of already have that. You're just you're act you're you 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 access it through your hand, That's right? Right, now. right. But it's like yeah. you do kind of have it. Like you know, I if I want to remember what I was doing on a given day. I frequently will just go to my photos and be like, oh yeah, I took a picture of that. Like that's where right. I was. Exactly. So. Yeah, and and if not, Facebook is there to remind you every single day what you did last <laughs> yeah. year yeah. or ten years ago. Or something. Ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, so it will be uh, there. It'll there. get weird when it's like what on this day, seventy years ago. Yeah. Facebook's been around. Hey, dude, what the hell was I doing? Holy cow! Yeah, I used to look like that. Yeah. <laughs> what I am I wearing? Yeah, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> so how did the um how did the whole Shania Twain thing come about? Honestly, awesome. to, to this day, I barely know. Um, <laughs> I uh, so I'd, I'd signed a record deal, and I had I'd put out a couple of songs on my own that, um, as an independent artist initially, that I, I managed to have a top ten hit in Canada, and I, right. I had no team at the time, and that sort of started my me having uh, a music career. Well, I mean, I guess I had a music career for many yeah. years before that, but it was playing in like bars to to no right. one, and which, right. you know, right. which at times was the most fun part of the whole thing. It's yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we we just put out my like first label single. We were two months into it. It was doing well on on the radio, and and I got a phone call from my manager saying like, "Hey, Shania Twain would like to have you out as the opening act on on this tour." And uh, like obviously, I was you know doors blown off. I was like, I, I thought it was a joke. I I you know said said yes immediately. All, all those things. But to this day, I I um I always kind of find this a bit of a novelty that like I don't really know who pulled the string like somebody surely pulled the string it wasn't like i you know it's like she could have anybody in the world um and usually in the music industry people are pretty quick to like take the credit for like it was me i i did right. it but i remember i remember i ran it around the horn of the people i was working with and, and everyone was kind of like yeah it's all about having a good team you know and nobody really ever like took oh, that's interesting. Credit for it to, and so to this day i i i don't know what percentage of that was uh was organic through her was yeah. prompted by someone I like to think I was doing some of the right things at the time um, and, and got the opportunity to do it. Um, the, the main thing I like is, well, many things, but we got brought back for the second leg of the tour 
which to me was like the real proof where it's like, all right, we didn't screw up the first leg. Like they right. could have <laughs> got rid of us after this point. So they asked <laughs> right. us to come back for nice. the second leg. Um, That's awesome. And you're great because, I mean, I was listening to your music earlier and, uh, you know, it's very, you know, I was thinking like, shouldn't he be in Nashville? <laughs> I've, spent, I've spent a fair bit of time down there. Um, hmm, yeah. I haven't gone, I haven't gone a bit. You know, obviously, you know, the last few years have kind of been wacky. Right, you know, right. Yeah. I changed a lot of travel plans. I've, I've ended up doing a lot more like Zoom rights, which I used to find a, I didn't like, and and mm. B, a lot of people I knew, like writers in Nashville, really didn't like doing that. And then it sort mm -hmm. of just became you had to do it. Um, and so, I'll, and so it's kind of continued a, a fair bit more um, now. But I, I would really like to make a trip back down there. I'm meaning to do it for for a bit. A bunch of my in the last handful of years, a ton of my friends have moved down there. Like the last time I went down, less of my like social circle lived down there. Whereas now mm. I. Uh, I have a bunch of pals who've moved down there and have families down there and stuff. So oh, it's wow. a really, really fun town. I mean, it I, is. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to do. Obviously the music is, is really, uh, I mean, when I say everywhere and, and George, I, I keep telling George, George lives in New York. That's where oh, I'm cool. We're, we're both originally from New York and, um, I love it there as well. I've only, yeah, I've only um, been there, only been to New York once. I really want to go there more. Oh, oh wow. New York is yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the level of, the amount of music that's around, like, I mean, we had, there's a stage at a Taco Bell. Yeah. Oh, that, dude. That blew me away when he told me that. I couldn't believe it. There's a stage, there's always artists performing at the Taco Bell, so you can get. Oh, it, it blows my, I mean, yeah. I think it, the, the, the thing that made me realize is, you know, how much of music town it is, is you get, you land in the airport and some of the airport announcements are made, it'll be like, hi, this is Brad Paisley. Don't leave your bag unattended. <laughs> All right, I, I get where we're that's at. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, I'm, for for anyone later watching this, I am not exaggerating. Like Brad no, no, that urban dude give you ba like baggage announcements. One hundred percent, not live. But. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, he's sitting in the booth there. Can I, <laughs> can yeah, I go home the, now? That would be the real thing. <laughs> Four yeah. more. Um, and it's then, you you can't throw a rock in in that town without getting oh. someone who is tremendously talented. That's and, right. Yeah, that's the thing about it too. You can go out anywhere on Broadway and really hear some, I mean, Broadway is a little bit of a different beast, you know, mm -hmm. um, where there's a lot of covers going on there, you yeah. know, and there's, I don't know, 20 something clubs on that strip. Oh yeah. And you'll hear living on a prayer in, you know, four yeah, going no, on four, dude. four <laughs> different keep track times. of that. When we bop around there, you go to Roberts, you go to Titsies. Yeah. Like, yeah, was that the same band? Living, really? like, yeah, sure. on a prayer. I remember one sit, standing in the middle of uh, Broadway and I was talking to a friend of mine and there was living on a prayer there and living on a prayer here, <laughs> but they were, they were like, like four measures ahead. So, oh, no. so it was like, ah. You got to get them synchronized. You don't yeah. reverb. Yeah. Okay, guys, ready? One, two, and. Amazing. <laughs> But yeah, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, some of the some of the music because I, I was listening, like I was saying, some of the songs. Um, now the, the track "Ain't Got You." Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, that is a new that, one. That's yeah. new one. Yeah, talk. That's a man. That's a that's really, a great really track. Great yes. track. Yes. Honestly, talk talk so a little bit about that. Uh, honestly, I'm uh, I'm stoked to get to chat on this. That that's the first time I've ever put out a single that I just wrote on my own that I didn't co-write with anyone. Really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so it's it's funny because like you know when I started writing when I was like younger, usually you wrote everything alone, and and I continued right. that for many years. Um, mm -hmm. Even when I was playing in a, in a band, usually it was one person kind of wrote the whole song and then brought mm -hmm. it to the band. And, right. Um, but when I started, you know, dipping my toe into country music and going to Nashville and stuff, obviously like co-writes are the name of the game there. And so you mm -hmm. you know you write with a ton of other people. Um, 
and, and that, that was honestly like, I really enjoyed that as well. A totally different experience. It's more of like a production, but you do learn a tremendous amount in doing that. Like, I feel like my ability to write over the few years of initially going down there and doing trips expanded a ton because you get to write with people where it's like, like I remember one of my songs that, you know, the guy had written, uh, uh, like Carrie Underwood's Jesus take the wheel. And we were, you know, sitting there writing and say, you, you, wow. you, you, yeah. you pick off like the little tricks that everybody, you know, some things about songwriting are very organic and you know, it's, you wake up with the song and it's just in, in you, but some of it is knowing the mechanics of it as well. And knowing like, okay, cool. When we're coming out of the pre-chorus, how should the chorus pop up? Like what, mm -hmm. it, it's just like little, little tricks. And, and, and I found, you know, doing a lot of co-writes over the years, you pick up other people's, you know, best yeah. tricks yeah. Uh, and you put them in your own bag of tricks kind of thing. And then you need to keep writing. So for Ink at You, it was kind of back to the organic thing though of, 95% of all the songs I write, I probably write either in the shower or while having breakfast. Like it just, that's just one of my, I find it's me doing another task actively frees right. up the subconscious to do something good. And I was making breakfast and I got the idea in my head and I sat there eating some Fruit Loops and, and kind of put the rest of the song together. And it was really quick. I think it was probably a, you know, 15 minutes or something. And it was wow. Um, which I find, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for those ones where they're, where they're the really easy one where it just kind yeah. of feels like it falls out of you. Um, but yeah, it was a weird one to put out because because I wrote it alone, probably only myself, one or two friends and the fellow producing it um, would have heard it before it came out. So it was this very insular kind of thing. Oh, wow. That's so cool. You know, it's funny you when you talk about the quickness of it, you know, sometimes that's like it just falls out, you know, it's mm -hmm. not just there. And like I saw an interview with uh, Tom Petty who talked about, you know, his uh, famous song, um, yeah. she's a good girl. Uh, free falling. Yeah. Free falling. Yeah. You know, he's, he was like, yeah, he was like, I didn't even think it was going to make the record. It, I wrote right. it like in 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. 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 And that's to be the biggest thing, you know, it's just like, just crazy. And, and it's like, you can't know. I, I find usually when you write a song, you're too close to it to know. Right. I, I, at the end of writing any song, I'm certain it's the best song I've ever written. And then usually that, that fades over like some amount of time. Like I, I find yeah. usually to be able to finish a song, you got to be feeling pretty good about it or it will fizzle before you, before right. you finish it. And then, yeah, it's, it's the, the tricky thing is knowing like, it's trying to like, uh, find a way to, to create stuff and not have it be entirely dependent on how other people end up perceiving it. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's hard to not fall into it a little, like nobody's immune to it. Like what, what I mean is like when I'll put out a song, you know, when I put out my first single that like kind of gave me a career and went top 10 or whatever, I feel more positively about that song surely after I, after all that happened than I did at the beginning. Like it wasn't like I knew on day sure. one, like I felt good about it. Sure. Um, but after the fact, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a, like a hit for sure. But <laughs> it gets colored it. by the fact, yeah, it gets colored <laughs> by the fact that it's like, cool. Like this gave me some financial freedom in my life and this gave me some career opportunities and this like allowed me to do the fun things that I wanted to do. So obviously I have this warm spot in my heart for sure. the, the negative converse effect is when you put out a single that you think is great it does terribly or, or does nothing and then you go like ah I, it was never really that great was it, it it's kind of like i almost want to like record a journal on the day i put every song out of like what right. i actually think of the song then you can review it years <laughs> later and like yeah did yeah. you know it's interesting it's it, yeah like that i find I've, i'm hearing a lot from songwriters and stuff that that happens a lot because it's funny i'm i'm um i'm a fan of the group toto 
Oh, and I, I love Toto. Yeah, and I, I saw I saw an interview the other day that I hadn't seen, and they were talking about Africa, and they were saying that Africa was like completely the the only song on the album that didn't match the rest of the album. They were like, we don't even want they didn't even want to put it on the album, and they were like, this is not going to go over. This is not going to be. They were just they were Man. completely against the song, and they just put it in there. Look what happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the reason I'm aware of Toto at the end of the day. Like, you know, right. it's, there's exactly. many other amazing songs in their catalog, but like that song comes on and it's it's tremendous. It's, you know? it's wild. But that, there's a lot of instances like that. You, you have like, um, you know, the band MGMT. I've heard of them, yeah. 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 So, so they would have had like a, a, a three really absolutely massive hits in the late mm. 2000s. Right. Um, that when you go back, like I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Um, mm. And it's like very like electro pop kind of hits. Right. But just those three songs are when you listen to the rest of the album and every album they've ever done since, it's more like surfer rock kind of thing or like even <laughs> and they even more experimental. Um, it it it's th those three songs, though, were like in, in their own words, were like you know, massively different, but it, they're the thing that gives them a career. Wow. Uh, and I remember when like people when their second album came out, I think there was a lot of pushback uh being like where where are the like electro pop hits and it's like you kind of have to accept when you look at the body of work you're like oh but that wasn't really ever the band they they were like they had these three things that were kind of anomalous to the rest of their writing process yeah. um i think that happens you know oddly it's not infrequent for that to happen right. yeah and i think also when you have an artist that's been writing a certain genre by the by themselves for a while yeah. And then they get with a group and in a studio that changes yeah. the dynamic of what they're putting out. It may be still their song, but it's a little bit different. So when it gets out there, you know, then they're listening, you know, whatever that happened, if it's a big hit, then when they go back into the studio, they may go in with a different producer. They may have a yeah, different yeah. set. Now that changes it. So that second, that, that second album is, you know, well, it's always that, that well, second you, album. You that you know, did you catch lightning in a bottle the first time? Are you going to try right, and change right, that down right. and go after it again? Yeah, you yeah. going to try and avoid it altogether. Yeah. These are challenging decisions that you it's, know. It's hard, and then they'll you'll hear people say, "Well, you got to just do what you got to do. Don't pay attention to anything, and don't pay attention to no one, and just be you, just be oh, you." And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's so easy to say, but when you're sitting there with a paper, you know, a, a, a pencil and a piece of paper and a guitar. You're still you, and you all these thoughts come into your head. Well, and, and the yeah. stuff I find that never gets talked about, like beyond the creative process, is like I I like having hit songs because they allow me to do fun things in life. Mm. Like if I have a song that does well, what that translates to for for like I, I have sort of a theory on like how uh, how I see like money and fame as as quantities. Uh, not not ends in and of themselves, but like things that you can exchange for other experiences or for safety or for you right. know for whatever it might be. So for me, like having hits equates to like having fame and notoriety that for me isn't the end. It's the like, oh cool, I get to go and play on a stage where the sound is really good and where people want to mm -hmm. sing the song, or I get to like go and shoot a music video with an interesting premise where we make it build a spaceship and do you know creative -y yeah. things yeah. um so like to to try and say like oh yeah just do you like just write whatever right it's, it's part of the equation though is like i want those things because they allow me opportunities in life yeah um, freedom you can help others also yeah. you could also entirely. Uh, it's impossible to turn around and like help the person behind you if you're like 
still just like crumpled in the ditch kind right. of thing. You right. know, that's like it's, it's easier to help people around you if you have Correct. means. And it's it's great to hear you say that as a as a young artist because George and I talk a lot about this about these starving artists thing. Right. People, you know, it's like guys, let's stop talking about this because the more we actually start giving life to the idea that starving artists is a thing, the more we're going to have them. Yeah, There's no reason why you should create your art and not get properly compensated for oh, the entirely. You know? Totally. I remember at the start of the pandemic, it was a great time to zoom in on it. And you can often hear arguments of, oh, okay, like, you know, what's essential, what isn't essential, and sort of like the people really need art. Um, but I, I just, I think it's, it's underestimated how much of your life is involved, like of, of, of even be like beyond the, so the obvious ones are like, cool. Like you take the average person and if you tell them you can't listen to music or read a book or consume any kind of television or film, um, at all. And also you don't have any like pattern on your shirt. Right. Uh, and like, also like, like basically strip all the like texture out of, yes. out of life. Yeah. Really. I don't think anybody would yeah, a beige world. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I, I I talk about that also about like this pencil. Somebody had to like say, okay, it's going to be green here. Oh, they had to design it. Here's somebody yes. had to design it. As simple as this is, there was somebody that said this pencil brand is going to be like this. This uh, mouse, this uh, computer, this well, this mug was me. I did the logo. <laughs> oh, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the you know everything that's around us is designed. You know this design. Right. This is a comedian oh. from Nashville. You know, and so it's art. It's artists. So artists really run, rule the world. They run. Hey, the they time, influence. You have a hard mm -hmm. time imagining it. If you take all of that out, you might survive, but you surely wouldn't thrive. Like I, I, no, I just feel right. like nobody, nobody would be very happy about I, it. Yeah, I don't even know if you can really survive walking. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You can beige, in a beige neighbor. You know, we'll, we'll all be sitting here right now and just in beige. <laughs> what would you what would you talk about if you, if what would you, we you, talk about we were like hey I, the other day i saw a light color beige yeah it was pretty cool <laughs> i mean I, I guess you can enjoy you, you'd have like a nature aspect but that that would be the limit of but even nature i mean who's our biggest artist right yeah. it would be you know not to get too philosophical but yeah yeah there's a creator there's, of all it's right yeah. there right yeah, beautiful no. stuff around so it's like you know um but yeah george and i get philosophical here so so we, yes, we, we can get deep on this show. We get deep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go deep, man. <laughs> so, um, George, I, uh, you have a, a question yeah, there. Okay. Actually, I wanted to ask him now, kind of go uh, going from the music piece. How did how did the acting thing start for? Yes, you? that's where I was going to go. Yeah, when I was in uh, when I was in second year university, I was take I was sitting in a quantum mechanics class. I was uh, nice. getting an, I was getting an arts degree, but I was planning to get a minor in physics because I was good at that in high school. Like I was, I was like physics calculus, I was like a strong suit of mine. Um, wow. And as I was sitting there, though, in my second year, I was like, okay, at this point, I'm going to get a physics minor clipped onto an arts degree, which doesn't really turn into any. Like you can't really you, if if you want the physics degree, you, you got to go full on and, and get that. Um, but I'm going to expend probably all my time leaning into it because the classes were just harder and more time consuming. And I, at the time was playing in a band and enjoying, you know, life and getting an arts degree. And I was like, okay, this is, these don't quite match up anymore. So with a day left, uh, before you need to drop your courses, I walked out of that quantum mechanics class, uh, went down to arts advising, dropped all my math and physics classes. And I grabbed a smattering of other like arts courses and one of them happened to be an acting class that um it wasn't like a random grab i, I was mm -hmm. interested but it like wasn't something that i'd put a lot of thought into before um 
and I just loved it. I, um, I, I, I went on to following that. I took every, uh, acting class that you could take at UBC without actually going into their like full on, um, mm -hmm. bachelor of fine arts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did that. I, you know, did some plays, did a, did a musical. Um, and then on my, I got an agent and on my last day at UBC, I walked out of my last class. It was very strange timing. And I got on the bus and I had booked a one line part on the vampire diaries. And that was sort of this like, wow, like, nice. career handoff moment there where so I graduated from UBC and then I started, you know, going out yeah. for acting roles. And that's the way it's supposed to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was very serendipitous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that. Um, when, when you did, when you started going in for auditions, um, were you going in already with a man with an agent? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, so I would have done a string of auditions while I was at UBC, both for theater okay. and for like student productions without, without an agent. But as far as I know, it's not like, like in the music world, you could go book your gigs on your, on your own, right. but within acting, I don't know of anyone booking like, or even doing auditions at like a pro level without an yeah, agent. It's no, a little more codified. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so from from very early on, I, I I had an acting agent there who is still my acting agent to this day. Uh, That's big awesome. fan of her. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into that. That's great. One of the things I always uh, talk about with um, with actors is just the audition process because that seems to come up a lot in conversations with other actors on mm -hmm. on film sets and stuff. Has been the process of their audition. Like some people will say, you know, auditioning really means absolutely nothing. You know, yeah. and it's yet, its own, it's it own profession. You know, it's it, is, it really is. It really is. You know, there was a, a documentary uh, called that I've, I've mentioned on here before called um, it's a it's a, a lot of character actors together and they were being interviewed. And it's actually called the show. The film, the documentary is called That Guy Who Was In That Thing. OK, yeah, I've heard yeah. of this. I haven't seen it, but I've heard yeah, of this. Very good documentary. And uh, but one of the actors there, he was saying talking about auditioning and he kind of said, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you walk into the audition room and you remind the casting director of your of of his brother-in-law that he really loves. Yeah. Great. Or you walk in there and remind him of his brother-in-law that he really hates. Yeah. And you don't have control. Of that. <laughs> right. So it's sort of like you don't have any control of that. And the other day I, I was listening to um, um, Lisa London, who's a casting um, director in, in Los Angeles. And she was interviewing someone. And he said, you know, when you go in, the first thing you should, I, I want to get your take on, on auditioning on this. Uh, when you go in, um, to a certain, to a reason, you can ask questions, but you shouldn't be like, so um, what's uh, the, you know, what is this character's uh, yeah, purpose? Totally. Like, what am I trying to, you know, um, you can I definitely have questions. opinions on this for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when you're done with your audition, and I've said this because I, I started out in front of the camera also, and I remember sitting in the, in the room and you're sitting there and you hear the other audition. And then at the end of the audition, they're like, oh, great. I saw that movie. You know, I saw the thing. It was really great. The guy, you yeah. know, when do you know yeah. when you're going to start making decisions? When you're going to start shooting? Sure. And you know that that they just they're trying to get they're trying to work. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. You know, they have a, a lot going on. So what are your thoughts on that process? Because it's always fascinating to me. Totally. So, OK, so in terms of questions before, I'm very <laughs> adamant of I don't want I don't want to ask anything before. And usually when I would enter uh, uh, like an audition, I mean, honestly, I haven't, I haven't done an in-person audition since COVID happened. It's all been right. self-tapes, mm. which is its own animal. But, yeah. but in the room, 
you would often get asked beforehand, like, do you have any questions? Like, do you, or do you want any like right. more information on this? And my, my intent was, I, I would always say no in that, like, I'm going to give you my take on it first. I'm going to give you what I've prepared. Um, and then if we want to go again, if there's like changes you want made, uh, uh, let, then we can talk about it and then we can pick it apart. And, then, and the reason I specifically always try to do that was that like, I kind of don't love when you ask a question, you could get a very big curveball uh, right. that very much changes like because this happens all the time where there's like something that's not in the page that they know and if they tell you this right beforehand that it's like oh actually you're this is your death scene like you die at the end of this so like you know <laughs> yeah. okay cool like i thought i was juggling and like having a good time like it, that, that's sometimes the case you know maybe things yeah. are very redacted in the script so I, I i like to you know i will make all of my decisions and and, and preparation and choices in advance. And I will bring that in and put that out on the table for you. And then if they go, cool, we hated that. Let's, let's pick it apart or that we um, loved it. Like try, try it this way. Um, so that's kind of my, my two cents on that. And, and, and taking notes when they give it to you and actually doing them yeah. is really an important thing. If you tell an actor, I've done casting for some stuff and you give him a note, like one actor, I remember saying, okay, you're not really angry at, the, at him. You're not angry. Yeah. You know, okay, but you, you're kind of like energized, but you're not angry. Yeah. And he kept coming angry. He kept coming angry. Yeah. It, it was like four or five times, and you don't understand. Um, yeah. So. Oh, and it's tricky, it's right? Real We're, difficult thing to be in, you know, on both sides of it. It's it's a weird pressure cooker, um, right. and I really it's it's its own skill set. Like, yeah, I often you'll hear actors say like, "Oh, you, I'm a professional auditioner," and like. The, the, I, I for fun get to go and act in movies sometimes because like once you're right. like on set you there's a different level of you're very supported you have a team of people who all want and need you to succeed which right. I guess arguably you do you know sometimes the thing I try to remember with casting is that like yeah they want you to be good as well it bodes very well for them as because it's like people forget that it's like they have a contract with the with the film yeah. um to supply the right actors to it. So it's in, if they can supply a bunch of people doing a great job, uh, yeah. everybody wins, but it is, it's different. And it's like, it, it, it's, it's when you're on a film set as well, it's, you know, there's certainly obviously challenges, but one of the joys is when you're in a, in your costume and the other person across from you has worked their character into the ground and, and you have a gorgeous set sometimes around you, it can be very easy to slide into, you right. know, there's not a lot of make-believe even left by the time that you're actually doing it. Like I, I've sometimes talked about, I got to shoot a movie with Liam Neeson. There's a sequence where he's literally just throwing me around up against this wall. And I, you know, and people ask me after like, why would you like act like scared? Like, I don't have to act at all. Like you have a dude who's like three, just winging you into a wall. Liam just like hold on against the wall yeah yeah i mean that's true environment can actually give you that but in the audition for that right i don't have that i have someone sitting 20 feet away from me being like right where's my son like where you know who, who right. did this right um, you know and, and not all readers are created equal and that sometimes you get people who give you a ton and sometimes they might right. drop a line or something so it's it's very it's a frustrating but interesting process uh, yeah for sure yeah, and I think also the the last two years with with COVID, I think it also, I think it changed so yeah. much with the in you know with the um, with the the what do you call it with the self tape uh, auditions, self tapes and stuff. Yeah. But it's also given the casting people, they I think they are understanding because I spoke to a couple of them. They they understand now. You know, they spent a lot of money renting these 
Oh yeah. Offices. But you don't need thousands, thousands of dollars. And I and now a lot of them are actually getting narrowing it down here and right. then renting a space where they'll use for like a week. I mean, I, I literally haven't I still haven't gone in. I did for the first time I did a callback Zoom audition uh recently. And prior to that, everything that I've been cast in, like during COVID, it was just one tape, no callback. Right. Uh just they watched it and they're like, all right, get them in. And it's been my favorite thing ever because it allowed, like right now I'm up at my cabin in, in the yeah. mountains and I can do that because I don't have to be, you know, on, on standby for that. If I, if I have an audition, I can right. tape it from here. It also changes your lifestyle a fair bit as an actor where Absolutely. like uh, beyond where you can, where you can live. It's the difference between oftentimes you would have, you know, 12 hours or something before an audition. You, you get a phone call at seven at night. You, okay, you got an right. audition at nine and tomorrow. Uh, cool. So now you got to drop everything and rearrange your life and go and do that. Whereas if it's at 7 p.m., you get a call that says you have an audition due by 9 a.m. tomorrow. That's more. I can deal with that more easily. I can go. Cool. I'm going to stay up a little late tonight. We're going to. I'm going to tape this. Go to bed and still have the day that I plan yeah. to have tomorrow. So there's a bunch of stuff. I think it works out great for casting as well because you can sit in your bed at home with a tablet and go. Yeah. All right. I like that one. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's, it's very, very interesting. Um, so we're at uh, oh, 45 minutes. I, I want to actually make sure we uh, we talk about the uh, the imperfects actually on, oh, yeah. uh, on Netflix. I started watching it, and um, I was scared. I'm not gonna <laughs> spooky. <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend like I wasn't because. Uh, and then I saw uh, you know this comes up. <laughs> yeah. you gotta be scared of that guy i was like ah. you know, it's funny, so, that gas the gas in the room was all added in post really so, oh, really yeah yeah oh, wow. so it was, it was one of the few times like I, i've worked with a lot of cg stuff but this was an yeah. instance where like i expected something atmospheric and i and i walk in the room and there's just nothing there and it, <laughs> it, it, it's one of the weird acty ones where you have to like see you have to, like really things seeping around you and i'm like all right well let's hope they're nice to me in post and at least put the gas where i can cut you know Right. That's so funny. So tell us a little bit about that. How's that, how's that going? Yeah. I mean, it's going great. Like the, yeah. the release of it's been really fun to watch. Like the, the reaction people have had, uh, to the show. It's um, huge. Yeah. It, it honestly, and it feels like this little, you know, little, like you can't know the scope of that when you're shooting it. Like we, I knew it was a right. Netflix show when I was working on it, but it was a, it was a Canadian production company and like, mm. not like a gigantic, like behemoth. We're not shooting like stranger things season five. Right. Right. It's, nice. it's not the like, uh, and so when you put that stuff out, you, it's the same as putting on a song. You have no idea like what the reaction will be to it. Right. Um, so it's been really, really wonderful seeing like, I saw some fan art that, that I was in, in fact, uh, oh, a couple cool. of, a couple of days ago. I'm like, oh, that's so that stuff's so neat. And like, it, it doesn't ever get old for me to just like, I think about the shows that have meant the most to me in my life and to ever like be part of something like that for somebody else is, yeah. is pretty cool. And the, and the experience was a ton of fun. Like I, I love the character I got to play on that show. Yeah. Um, He's very similar to me in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> just like total nerdy guy, all of a sudden given superpowers. Uh, yeah, I know what that would be like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's been a tremendous experience. A lot of times it's the writing really that really brings it over the top. And the writing is really good. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, you'll have a lot of Netflix shows that are, you know, they get put out there. They'll do a season. Um, the writing is is such a major factor you know oh, i think it's kind of the thing it's you know? the thing if you don't have the writing because you know the actors you have to find the right obviously the right performer that's going to deliver those lines and that's a major yeah. part of the 
part of it as well. The director has to know the vision and uh, understand how it's, you know, what, what they're doing, but the writing has to really, you know, it has to flow. And it's really hard it's really to important. say if the writing is bad. You Oof. know, it's one of those things like you can, you can do everything else right. But the two, yeah. the two things that can like, if the writing and the editing, are the, are the two pieces editing can go. kill it also you yeah, yeah. You, can, you can have absolute gold I've, I've been in things that i felt like this was great on the page we shot something great right, and right, right. Ah, right. right. Yeah, i was i was in one thing i'm still upset about this i was in one thing and um it was uh, i was shot in brooklyn it was a feature and i had this one scene it was a long pretty long scene i really busted my ass on it and i nailed it it was i mean it was it was so good that at the end when they yelled cut i heard some people go wow that was freaking good you know like yeah. You That's great because right. you won't usually get that. You won't get that, right? Yeah, and I heard that. He doesn't have time to be giving yeah. you an Oscar. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, didn't make the cut. <laughs> oh, dude, didn't make the cut. Not only did it not make the cut, I haven't seen it. I'm so sorry. Dude, so I was like, I, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm 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 no. in the work I'm in the Warcraft movie, but I'm not in the Warcraft movie. I'm oh really? I'm in the credits. My name is there, but my scene got cut out of it. Uh, um, oh man. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. I do this long enough. I, there's a handful of things over the years where either yeah. fully cut out or in something, and you know, a scene is missing or is heavily truncated or something right. like that. Yeah. It's always it's a drag when it happens. It's it's a drag. Yeah. I mean, you know, but you have to understand that you know, I, I'm not going to understand, but you do have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm right there with you. You have to understand me, but I never will. And I'm back always here, angry. There's no understanding back here, but I get it up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're at, at 50 minutes. Um, we can probably go oh another God, hour. Yes. Uh, we want to thank you so much for being on. As usual, uh, what I ask um, our guests is, you know, the last two years have been very challenging for a lot of people sitting at home. Um, some of them are challenged with the idea of being able to confront the world again and being able to do things and just kind of uh just a lot of things going on um do you have any words for anyone out there maybe even some other actors that maybe haven't gotten out there yet because of concerns or 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 whatever um you know to um for them to kind of get back on on the ball yeah i mean i think one of the biggest things with that and i struggle with this all the time is like you want you can set a goal and you want to like you want to get there but it's very daunting because that the first steps are very tough because yeah. the first steps mm -hmm. don't look anything like the final thing. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me about, you know, songs over the years where they go like, well, my song sounds, doesn't sound like this, you know, finished Keith Urban song. And it's like comparing apples to oranges and comparing your earliest nuggets of something to other people's final work is a real dis disservice to yourself. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I think especially coming out of a couple of years we've had is, is maybe just like, you don't need to have 10 out of 10 days every day. If you can like just do something that feels good for you every day, you're right. getting there and you're getting there at your own rate. You can't really know right. the, the journey that's going to take you, you know, to wherever you want to go. But the, the important thing is like finding stuff that like makes you feel okay in your own self and in your own brain and, and, and not comparing yourself to the, to your idols every single day. Cause that's right. It, it's a real disservice to yourself, you know, yeah. cause you can't do it. There's no way, there's no way to do it. So it's just, it's just sort of, you know, yeah, keep even somebody said this to me recently. Like, you can have a one out of 10 day, and like, as long as it's not a zero, as long as you can just keep, you, you know, it. To, yeah. it still yeah. adds up to something. You're still moving right. far forward. With that. So, like, yeah, you know, yeah, just, keep moving forward is always a key thing, is, is yeah. um, just even one thing. I always say, try to move the needle forward every single day on what your goals are, you know, and sometimes yeah. it can be just opening the book up 
of things you wrote down and just looking at what you can do that week. If that's all you did, at least you're going in that direction. You know, it's, yeah. it's really difficult to just not move. You know, it just makes you not move even more in the future. Oh, totally. Yeah. Being, being kind to yourself like that though. Cause even like a, a, a successful day could be making yourself a breakfast deal. Like honestly, you know, it's, right. it's, it's the kind of, it's the column you put it in at the end of the day. Cause like on a day where you feel great, that can be, a, be enough. And, and so mm -hmm. it's trying to let those like small things be enough. Cause like the, the big victories in life are few and far between. And like, right. oftentimes when you're looking at like, I look at some of my biggest, you know, successes and there's often a ton of asterisks around them that nobody else in the world would see, but that I'm aware of kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when you compare your, where your life is at to other people's that are way further along, it's, it's missing all the asterisks kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I know we're wrapping up, but there was one thing that you said there. It's, a, it's, it's usually those moments that a lot of people don't see, you know, it's the yeah. quiet time, you know, George and I talk about this is yeah. when you sit there quietly with your own thoughts on what is he trying to accomplish and set your goals and start really focusing on what the next step is that nobody sees that you know people see the the work and they'll see things coming out and they'll be like oh that's awesome how did you do that you know like, well i sat quietly and yeah yeah you know and it's like like you said being kind to yourself by doing that because it's going to make you feel better when you do that yeah. And it's finding the stuff that actually that you love uh, as well. Like I, I always forget this. If, if I go and work on a song for a few hours, I can typically just feel better. It's, it's something like I get caught up in a lot of the admin stuff and the tasks that aren't as fun as I'm sure everybody does. In yeah. life. And, and you can, at the end of a day of that, feel like, oh my God, what am I doing? But it's right. to try and remember to like, even if you don't want to start it at, when you're starting one of those tasks to like take the tasks that you know, like this always makes me feel good. And like, you know, give your foot almost if you have to kick yourself in the butt to start doing this, right. <laughs> allow yourself to do those things you love. You know? 100%. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Wesley McGinnis, thank you so much for taking the time with us. We hope that you come back again. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. Absolutely. It'd be awesome to have you back. We, uh, we're we going to watch you on uh, the Imperfects. We're going to, the songs. Um, now, I have a, this website. Is this accurate? Can people find you there? Yeah. Yeah, you can, I think that redirects maybe to westmacmusic.com. Um, yes. It, it's, it's a real website. It's a real website. Um, okay. It also, it all honestly, uh, me on like Instagram, like at westmacmusic and honestly all socials of at westmacmusic. I'm just more active there than, than on my okay. website. Well, we'll, we'll put that in the descriptions and uh, we'll put that down there as well. But yes, make sure you uh, check them out and we really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you so much. Thank yes, you, sir. Thank you. All right. It's been a pleasure. Right. Thank you. Wow. That is a cool dude. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Extremely talented, extremely cool. And he has a, you know, he has a great outlook. You that's know, the just thing. And cool it, outlook, right? That's the only thing that really gets you there is when you have that viewpoint where you can actually look at your own yeah. self and, and what you're doing. Right. And then matching those things up so you actually are part of it and connected to it. It's Absolutely. not you here and that's over there. No, you actually are part of that thing. Exactly. And I, and I love that. part. So, yeah, very, very cool. Thank you so much for being on, Wesley. And we will uh, definitely uh, see you again. And we're going to be following and all that good stuff. So I just want to remind everyone again real quickly that on November 22nd, we do have our season finale show. And we're going to have a, a lot of fun there. We're going to be um, – I really don't know what's going to happen, to be honest with you. I just – I think we're going really to be there. <laughs> I'll be there. The cat will be there. Uh, but maybe, I don't know. Exactly. I think it, it's going to be some a, Maybe some A-listers will come on, you know. Ooh. Stallone or, uh, you know. 
<laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, you guys are great. All right. Um, that was terrible. All right, guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. We'll see you again uh, next week, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Counterparts, George Batista. I'm John Henry Soto. Thank you very much.